Hello and welcome. This is 21. Episode 14.1 Bigger than the rest. You cannot believe what is in front of your eyes. You have heard of the magnificent temple, but it turned out to be one that needed to be seen to be believed. The year is 395 BC. You and your family live in the northwestern part of Anatolia, near modern day Istanbul. For generations, your family has been planning to go see the new temple to the goddess of the hunt and fertility being constructed many miles to the south, at the Greek city of Ephesus. But this plan has been put on hold as the temple reconstruction took longer than your ancestors anticipated. But finally, more than a century after the reconstruction began, you and your family are finally here. Not because you just couldn't make it any sooner, but because it had taken that long to complete. The height around this temple was sky high. Anyone who was anyone in society had either been there already or was going to see it in the near future. This was something you did not want to miss. It's not like you had never visited or worshipped at a temple to a god or goddess before. In fact, you went every week to at least two different temples in your local town. But this temple was different. And everyone knew it. As the trip grew closer, you could feel the excitement building up in your chest. Artemis, the goddess of the hunt and fertility, was one of your own personal gods that you chose to worship on a regular basis. And this temple was her crowning glory. You couldn't focus on anything else for about a week before the trip. But finally, the dawn of the day of the trip came. You got up extra early to make sure the slaves knew what they had to do while you were away. You gathered up your family quickly and went down to the local dock. Even though the sun was just peeking over the horizon, you and your family were not the only ones there. At least a dozen or so families had also gathered on the dock, waiting for the captain and the crew. After what seemed like an eternity, though it was only a few minutes, the captain and the crew showed up and began preparing to sail. They could feel the excitement amongst those on the dock, so they moved quickly, getting all the supplies loaded, checking the sails, and began letting passengers on board. You had spared no expense for this trip, and had purchased the nicest cabin on board for you and your family. After you all get settled in, the captain comes down to inform everyone that the ship was ready for departure. Finally, you think to yourself, I will witness what my ancestors were unable to, and start the tradition of a generational trip to see this temple. As the ship heads out, you can only imagine what you will see when you get to Ephesus. It is a fairly short trip down the Anatolian coast, and you reach the city within a few days. Even without departing the ship, you can see the top of the magnificent temple. It stands head and shoulders above every other building in the city. It's sparkling, almost as if it's made out of silver. As you disembark the ship, 
Some slaves take your bags to the inn that you and your family will be staying at while you are at Ephesus. With that taken care of, you and your family head up to the temple immediately. Even while you are still a long ways away, you can't help but marvel at this enormous temple. It is substantially bigger than any of the other temples that you have been to. As you approach, you notice it's not just the size of the temple that catches your eye. The detailed carvings and friezes are amazing. The massive columns supporting the huge roof are intricately carved with scenes and friezes, all from stories of the Greek gods. You want to inspect each column, but as you enter the temple, something else catches your eye. A massive statue of the goddess Artemis herself. You stand there, staring, unable to move. Truly, you think to yourself, there are very few homes befitting of the gods, but this one is more than deserving. What you are standing in is one of the original seven and the fourteenth wonder of the ancient world, the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus. Perhaps one of the largest temples ever constructed in history, the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus was truly a marvel of engineering and construction. But as always, before we go into the details of the wonder itself, context first. Ephesus was a small Greek town founded around 800 BC along the western Anatolian coast. I have a map of its location up on the website. Similar to other coastal towns like Halicarnassus, while being across the Aegean from mainland Greece, Ephesus was highly influenced by Greek culture, art, and architecture. Originally functioning like a Greek city-state, the city of Ephesus had a complicated relationship with the small neighboring kingdom of Lydia. Lydia attempted to conquer Ephesus a number of times, but were unable to do so. At the same time, though, the people of Ephesus adopted Lydian cultural elements into their own society. This makes me wonder why they didn't come to some arrangement to just assimilate Ephesus into the kingdom of Lydia peacefully. But who knows? Maybe they tried it. Maybe it was a pride thing. Anyway, I digress. It wasn't until the 6th century BC that Ephesus was finally conquered by the kingdom of Lydia. King Croesus conquered Ephesus from around 560 to 550 BC. But this conquest is also a bit complicated. It was less of a conquest and more of a forceful assimilation. There was almost no destruction of the city, and King Croesus immediately allocated funds to begin elaborate work projects in Ephesus, including the famous Temple of Artemis. I do also want to mention that the kingdom of Korea was a vassal kingdom of Lydia. If that kingdom sounds familiar, it's because it was the king of Korea, Mosul, and his sister and wife Artemis II, who built another wonder we have already looked at, the Mausoleum of Mausolos at Halicarnassus. As we can see from the wife of King Mosul, Artemis was a big deal in this area of southern Anatolia. But while this second temple of Ephesus gets all the credit, it was just that, a second temple. There were in fact three temples of Artemis built in Ephesus. 
We will look at the first two here and look at the third next week. There was a temple that was constructed sometime during the 8th century BC, so shortly after the city was founded. In fact, archaeological evidence suggests that there were multiple temples to multiple gods on the same site as the original temple of Artemis. We know nothing about this original temple, though, including its fate. However, legend has it that all the temples of Ephesus were destroyed by a flood from a nearby river. When this happened, we will never know. Or if this even happened, we will never know. But a flood is certainly plausible. Before we get to the construction of the wonder itself, there is one more piece that we need to look at. Who the temple was dedicated to. The Greek goddess Artemis. She was the daughter of Zeus and the sister of Apollo. She was one of the three chief goddesses of Olympia, the mountain where the Greek gods lived. Artemis was the goddess of chastity, hunting, wild animals, forests, childbirth, and fertility. Her roots in the area around Ephesus ran deep. Worship of her was strong, committed, and intolerant of anything else. A definite cult formed around the worship of Artemis that differed from the way she was worshipped in mainland Greece. As this cult developed, they borrowed other aspects and qualities from other eastern deities such as Isis, who was considered the mother of all the pharaohs of Egypt. This association with other deities manifested itself in the way that the goddess was portrayed. Statues of the goddess from around where her magnificent temple were show Artemis covered in eggs, a reference to the fact that she was the goddess of fertility. None of the statues of Artemis from mainland Greece show this. But now that we know where and to whom the temple was built, we can move on to the construction of the wonder of the ancient world. Construction of the Temple of Artemis began around 550 BC, almost immediately after Ephesus's assimilation into the Lydian kingdom. Architectural credit for the wonder goes to two men, Cretan architect Cherisphron and his son Metagenes. Their design was one of the greatest in the ancient world. It would also be one of the longest to bring to completion. The Temple of Artemis took around 120 years to build, easily making it the longest wonder to construct of the original seven. In typical fashion, the temple was built a short distance from the city, as it was believed that the closer to the city the temple was, the greater the presence of the goddess would be, and her blessings would be that much greater. Like most other great Greek temples, the Temple of Artemis was constructed out of marble blocks. The beautiful white marble stones were the premier construction material in the ancient world, and only used for those special projects. While the use of marble in construction was not totally uncommon for important buildings, constructing the entire building, like the Temple of Artemis was, out of marble, was almost unheard of. The Temple of Artemis was impressive in just about every way. But there was one thing that set the Temple of Artemis aside from other ancient temples. It wasn't the carvings, the art, 
or even the statue itself of Artemis. It was the temple's sheer size which made it a wonder of the ancient world. According to Roman historian Pliny the Elder, the Temple of Artemis was a rectangular building measuring 129.5 meters, or 425 feet long, and was 68.5 meters, or 225 feet wide. That was almost double the size of the famous Greek Parthenon constructed above Athens about a century later. The Temple of Artemis also had 127 columns, which were 8.3 meters, or 60 feet high, and were slightly over 1 meter, or 4 feet in diameter. These columns supported the massive marble blocks, which held up the roof above them. The massive stones which were used above the columns for the Temple of Artemis are one of the greatest mysteries of ancient construction. As we mentioned, the columns were 60 feet high, about 8.5 meters. And the marble blocks that they supported were an astonishing 24 tons apiece. The amount of stones used in this little wraparound project, we will never know. But it was no small number. How they got those stones on top of the columns, we may never know for sure. But such an engineering feat caused some to believe that Artemis herself placed the stones on top of the temple. If I lived in that time and saw those stones sitting on top of those massive columns, I'd probably believe that too. The marble blocks used in the construction of the Temple of Artemis were quarried about three kilometers to the south of Ephesus. That means these massive stones had to be transported almost two miles from the quarry site to the construction site. The workers did something interesting with the marble blocks as they moved them. When they were removed from the quarry and sent to the construction site, they were still rough cuts. Once they were ready to be put in place, craftsmen would use fine chisels to remove any last surface blemishes. The finished blocks would be smooth and shiny as glass or silver. The blocks would have literally sparkled in the Mediterranean sunlight. The joints, where the blocks were joined together and held in place, were almost invisible. It would look like one piece of solid marble when it was finished. But the question remains of how were these stones put into place? I mean, 24 tons is a lot of weight. And the ancient Ephesians did not have cranes like we do today or the equipment to move these massive stones. So how did they get a 24-ton marble block up 8.5 meters in the air? One method that they probably used was called Lewis. This was a method in which a wedge-shaped iron key was fit into a flaring cut into the center of the block. This would allow the marble block to be lifted from the top by a specially made crane, which would have several pulley systems designed to help distribute the weight. Undoubtedly, a large number of slaves were contracted to use ropes to pull the massive stones up almost 9 meters to the tops of these columns, and potentially hold them there as workmen fitted them into place. That would not have been an easy or comfortable job. The columns which held these massive blocks were by no means simply support. 
They themselves were decorated elaborately, with a number of them displaying friezes and scenes from Greek mythology. The columns also had carvings of leaves, acorns, small creatures, fruit, and wreaths decorating the base and rising up the column. The friezes contained scenes from Greek mythology were not only on the columns. The blocks above the columns which wrapped around the temple were pretty much like an ancient movie. They had elaborate scenes and friezes that depicted the Amazons, warrior goddess women who were believed to have sought refuge from Hercules at Ephesus. These elaborately carved scenes and friezes were some of the greatest in the ancient world. And this tale added to the allure of Ephesus, thus making it an even greater site for such an elaborate temple. With the temple itself being so fine, the statue of the goddess herself housed inside must be equal to it. However, this may not have been the case. Unlike other statues of Greek gods, which we will get to in later episodes of this podcast, as far as we know, the statue of Artemis inside the temple was nothing fancy. Supposedly, it was made out of cedar wood. While this may be the case, we may never know for sure. But a detail about the destruction of the temple of Artemis lends credibility to this theory. But we will talk about that theory next week. We know nothing about the size of the statue itself or what it looked like. This is one of the only times in history in which I know of a temple, especially an elaborate one, where the statue of the deity housed inside was not made from an equally elaborate material. While cedar wood was by no means cheap, it was a far cry from any of the other materials used, such as marble, stone, gold, or even ivory as these were all used in statues around the ancient world. But the sheer size and weight of the Temple of Artemis is staggering. But its size could have created another potential problem. As we saw with the Colossus of Rhodes, size and weight did not make it immune to natural disasters. And as we have seen, Earthquakes were a big problem for large buildings in the ancient world. But Pliny the Elder gives us an interesting insight into the impressive foundations of the temple. The engineer and sculptor of the foundations was a man named Theodoros of Samos. What made his work noteworthy was the fact that the site where the Temple of Artemis was built was marshy ground. Now, normally, you do not want to build a large, heavy building on marshy ground. That's like Construction 101. But the foundation for the Temple of Artemis was made in such a way that the marshy ground was more of a help rather than a hindrance. How this was accomplished was rather genius. They used sheepskins and packed charcoal in and around the stones to provide the support that was needed to hold up the massive weight of the temple, while allowing the necessary sway the building would need in case of an earthquake. The advantage of building the Temple of Artemis on marshy ground was the fact that marshes mitigated the effects of earthquakes. The fact that the ground itself had sway and the ground around the temple had some sway as well, it made the Temple of Artemis able to withstand almost any earthquake in the area. 
The Temple of Artemis was an absolutely massive, beautiful, well-engineered and designed building. Quite possibly the biggest temple in the known world, it was home to a powerful local cult which would thrive in the region for centuries. Glistening in the Mediterranean sun, it was truly beautiful to look at. But the Temple of Artemis is unique among wonders of the ancient world, and I'm not just talking about the original seven. While it is not the only wonder on this list that we do not know a great deal about, it is the only one on this list, and the only one that I know of, that was deliberately destroyed. And it was not deliberately destroyed by a conquering army, a foreign invader, or eventually torn down by occupiers after centuries. One man decided he wanted to make himself famous by destroying the Temple of Artemis. And despite history's best efforts to not make it so, he was successful. Oh, yeah.